My name is Peel and with me today I have Sola Gin, who recently finished her PhD thesis at Karlstad University at the Department of Geography, Media and Communication. Hi. Uh, your thesis is called Communicating Climate Action. Yes. First of all, I would like to talk with you about the general goals of your research. Could you describe what the aim of your uh, thesis and research was? Yes, of course I can. And first of all, thank you for having me. It's, I think this is a great thing that you're doing with this podcast. And thank you for participating. <laughs> so my thesis is, uh, first of all, it's a compilation thesis. This is basically built on an idea of the common saying that, that the actions speak louder than words or that the pen is uh, mightier than the sword. So in this contrast uh, is where my thesis is positioned, basically uh, the interconnectedness of words and actions and their relation to messages from social movements in climate change communication. So do you focus on communication from... Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future is my main focus. Basically, the thing I'm looking into is how they communicate in relation to the actions that they take. Because I, in this thesis, I view a message um, as actually only part of the message. I consider the actions to be the other part, the other visible part. Because in the media nowadays, what we see is mainly that these kind of groups, they are presented uh, through the news or through their actions, basically. That is what the media covers, is their actions. What they say is like in the background. And I'm interested in seeing how these actions actually create some form of expectation from the, the recipients of the information. And if the public actually wants or expects a certain type of communication from them based on the actions that they take. Because Ex Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future did differ quite a lot when it comes to the action types that they take. Extinction Rebellion can be seen as more of a disruptive action, like gluing themselves to the streets and disrupting traffic and occupying places in cities. And then you have Fridays for Future, which is well, actually started with a kind of disruptive thing with Greta when she sat down and doing the school strike, which is, but that has also become kind of conventional. Uh, what were the research questions you were interested in? Uh, and what is the goal of research like you? What drives this kind of research? There were different research questions in each of the articles. I did have a couple of research questions that kind of meandered through all of the articles. And the first one was that I wanted to look at European, in the European context, um, how people, the propensity to protests uh, actions or people's inclination to participate in certain protest types or certain protest actions um, and how, how that differed across different regions to see whether or not there is a difference between what is considered disruptive in one context. The second question was to investigate if different emotional appeals um, how these were related to different action types and specifically to these two groups. But what, because in media and communication studies, when it comes to climate change, there are a lot of emotional appeals that are being discussed. But two of the, um, 
like most prominent ones are fear appeals and hope appeals whether we should push like for the the fear and scare people into doing something or if we should amp up the hope like saying okay we can overcome this we can actually fight climate change so what i wanted to do was to see can you connect any of these emotional appeals to the action type because one thing that is visible in the research on this is that they have presented material that is either fear, fear full of fear appeals or full of hope appeals uh, and they haven't really considered the the sender of the message or the the communicator that has not been like a factor in these analyses so so just to go back the first article that's a background and that was a survey that was done and can you quickly describe the survey Yes, it was a uh, quantitative content analysis, uh, a meta-analysis of the research field of climate change communication. In this, we actually found that the majority of studies done is uh, either qualitative or quantitative um, content analysis of, of media reports on climate change. So there is very little that is actually from the ones producing the message that the media is reporting about. So when the researchers looks at how the climate crisis uh, is presented in the media. They look at the media output rather than the the original messages from yeah. the action groups. Exactly. And, and that, that is why I found it so very interesting to focus on these these climate groups. Yeah. Because they are a prominent player if research only focuses on what is being said about them, not what they are saying. They're kind of left out of the research area. So I thought it would be very interesting to see because that put that media image that we that the media present to people is what the people the, the perception of these groups comes from the media in many cases. And what I wanted to do then was to see if that image that has been portrayed about these groups creates a sort of expectation from the audience on what they should and say and not say or how they should say or not say things. Then I will ask you like, if you can briefly summarize, why in general do you do this kind of research? In general, I think that it depends on the researcher. But for me, it is a way of trying to... Often when I do research, I am asked, are you an activist or a scholar? I'm constantly wondering, can't I be both? And this line of research for me and what drives me doing this is trying to find the balance of creating knowledge, but also contributing to changing the world for the better. Your research is in media and communication studies uh, as an overall field. And can you tell me very shortly uh, about this field and what methods you use? Oh, this, uh, very shortly, I would say that this is a very, very broad field and very hard to say something short about because it encompasses so many things. I mean, it encompasses traditional, like, mass media studies, but you also have very specific, like, interpersonal communication. It traces back even to rhetorics in some cases. You have political communication. So, so, so to speak, it analyzes all sorts of communication. Yes, exactly. And also uh, the, the means of transmission. But that combination, when you have both something written and something that is an action. That means that we have to do like a mixed method approach. Basically so, trying to figure out smaller pieces and connect the dots between these pieces. So it could be that you have to first look at 
like the inclination to participate in these protests and the general attitudes for these actions. And, and then that's you by have to look asking at... the participants, for example, why they do it. Yes. And then you can go on to looking at the perception of language in relation to this, which is the experiment in the third article. It actually makes me wonder, like, what did you do before you did your PhD? <laughs> I I took the long and scenic route to doing a PhD. Cool. <laughs> no, That's I. A... But at the same time, I actually took a very straightforward path as well. Uh, I, since I am from Värmland, uh, I uh, I like it here, and I've tried a couple of other Swedish universities. I kind of felt like that isn't that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So um, I started researching what kind of programs we had at Costa University so I could be closer to home. And I started uh, doing a bachelor in global media. And after that, I started work, uh, I actually got enrolled in a master's program at Soda Turn, but I quit that after a few months. At that point in time, I was also working for the UNHCR and I was really interested in, in, in climate refugees. Two years later, and then I started uh, my master's pro uh, the master's program in global media studies. And I had already during the bachelor, and I continued to do so during the master, expressed the desire to, to, to do a PhD. And uh, so the professors were aware of this. And then one day uh, I was approached by one of the professors at, at our department, and he said, so I know that you're interested in doing a PhD. I wanted you to know that there will be a position advertised uh, later this fall. So, and I was like, great, I can't apply because I mean, I'm not finished until next spring. So why are you teasing me like this? And then he said that, no, but what you can do is you write a magisteruppsats, a D-level essay and uh, and you do that parallel now during the spring semester and you hand that in because then you can apply for the PhD position. So I, I, I decided, to, okay, yeah, let's do that. So I wrote uh, a one-year master essay and then I uh, applied and uh, ended up getting the position. <laughs> so that is cool. how I ended up here. So you are absolutely right. And the one side, very this very long and scenic route and at the same time the very uh, straight and narrow road. Yeah. It's actually very special with Sweden, this thing that you have both have the magister and the master. Is there anyone else in your family that holds PhD degrees? No, I'm the first one. I am the first okay. one with more than a bachelor. Cool. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you would actually really recommend this thing actually being loud and vocal about it? If you're interested in doing research, you should be vocal about it, uh, because if they're not aware of it, then then you could potentially miss out on opportunities. Then I will go back to your third uh, article, um, and I have some more specific, yeah, more specific uh, questions about your research and your research, as you, uh, your thesis, as you said, is a, a compilation. But in the third uh, paper. Uh, it describes this experiment you conducted. And uh, you look at two different climate action social movements, uh, ex Extension Rebellion and Fridays for Future. And uh, you compare the public's response to different type of communication that mimic the style of these two groups. Or the, is it just mimicking the style or is it actually their response to um, 
to actual communication by these groups. Now, this is actually a made up piece. So this experiment, this paper is part of a larger study where we also have uh, questions of proximity and different news media. And, and, and so we had, a, we had so many treatments. These are just a few of them. Um, these are the ones that focus on Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future. So what we did was that we started with a news article. I think it was from Dagens Nyheter. And then drawing from previous literature, we uh, created this kind of lexical map of, of, of a more disruptive or alarmistic, fearful language style where we try to adjust the text to sound like amp up the fear appeals in it. And then we did the opposite where we changed it to a more optimistic or, or hope appeals. So we adjusted it and we also altered the image. So for the one that we use as the fear appeal, we used forest fire as an image. And then for the um, optimistic one, we used a marsh because this article was about forest fires and marshes as a preventive measure. We also went to like great length and detail into using the same fonts and the same color schemes as these groups use in their communication. So we really get this sender effect on these um, texts, but at the same time, we wanted to try and see if we could alternate between these and see if there were different reactions, whether or not. So we wanted, we had this alarmist and this optimist text, and then we used, put the alarmist, uh, uh, or Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future as the sender of the alarmist. And then we did the same with the optimist. There were two of each. So we were kind of transparent that this, this is a study where we kind of want to, uh, we want to, this is, there were a multitude of different senders that we used um, okay, so for this. It was and not just these two senders that you used. No. You used a lot of different senders. Yes. And, and we also had a introduction text to whom these movements are. We went through this ethical review process with this with an external board that was looking okay. into our experiment design before we actually send it in and I'm really so actually I'm really looking forward to digging into because that is kind of like next in the pipeline is writing the paper on uh, on the Dagens Nyheter and Nya Värmlands Tidning and the, where it has to do with more of the proximity of the threat where it's presented as either something very distant and uh, geographically distant or, or geographically close to you and what that does to the sense of urgency. So that is yeah, a paper I'm... I'm going to guess that round that is happening and it's, the, it's close in proximity and back in Snicket that it's mostly... Yeah, far. we uh, preliminary oh. data shows that that might not be the case. <laughs> Whoa, that mm. sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I wanted these two because they, they kind of came to life at basically the same point in time. Both merged in 2018 in similar context, one in the UK and one in Sweden, uh, where, where we kind of have, a, as seen in Article 2, we have this similar uh, like approach to what is conventional and what is considered disruptive. So they would be easily comparable in that sense, since they have so many things that are similar. But at the same time, they're very, very different. So even if they both strive for the same goal, they do it in completely different ways. And you can also already see, I mean, if you go into their websites, you can see that their demands are similar, but phrased very, very differently. So you have one which is 
for Fridays for Future that they want to create a safe pathway to under 1.5 degrees of warming and they want climate justice and equity for everyone and they want to follow the Paris Agreement and they want people to unite behind the science. But at the same time, you do have Extinction Rebellion who kind of wants the same thing, but they phrase them as tell the truth, that governments should tell the truth by declaring a climate and ecological emergency and they want uh, people to act now, that governments must act now to halt biodiversity and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and then they want to go beyond politics, that governments must create and be led by uh, the decisions of a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice. So both of them want us to combat climate change, but they do it in very, very different way and they phrase it in very different ways. So, so what we did basically in this experiment was amping these things up by using lexical databases of semantically related words and drawing from previous studies on, on these kind of uh, emotional appeals to create this kind of language styles. Sorry, what I'm were good. the main takeaways from it? So what we saw uh, and what is one thing that I think is also something that is interesting in science is that we have a tendency to to get very caught up, especially when we do quantitative studies, as this was. Uh, we have a tendency to become kind of blind as long uh, if it's not statistically significant, then it's not worth publishing or, or researching further. And this is uh, one of those cases where the results weren't statistically significant, but we saw very, very interesting tendencies, especially when we started to color highlights our results in the in the tables. Because uh, we, what we saw was that people generally tended to favor Fridays for Future when they were optimistic and they favored Extinction Rebellion and felt like they were more believable, more trustworthy, more informed when they were alarmist. And for both cases, Alanist. when they, uh, more yes, negativity. yeah, more fear yeah. appeals when they push to fear and Extinction Rebellion actually was rewarded and uh, Fridays for Future was rewarded when they pushed the hope appeals. And what we also saw was that if you broke this, if if you used fear appeals for Fridays for Future, they will this communication was perceived as more biased and sensationalist and the same thing applied for Extinction Rebellion when they were uh, presented as the sender for a hopeful text they were perceived as more sensationalist and more biased which is very very interesting so even if there were these results weren't statistically significant we think that there is something here that is worth investigating further and confirm with a larger study and and also maybe not, but we were after the tendencies. We weren't after the significance and the okay. very concrete conclusions. We wanted to see, is this something worth in following? Is this worth like, so this was like an experiment to see if the experiment would work <laughs> in a sense, if that makes any sense. It, it does for me, <laughs> because no, no, what I mean is that Maybe this is also this part of like, when you do research, it doesn't mean that it, you don't magically get to the full picture. Uh, mm. You do it step by step. Exactly. Uh, it is worthwhile getting out there so that it can inspire others to do something similar and get people to think, which is also one of the 
points I want to make about my own thesis. I didn't write my thesis to come w up with some form of ultimate conclusion because I'm in social science and that is basically impossible. So um, maybe that, and let's see what I wrote. I, I, I've wrote down, I would be happy with any direction. I, I would <laughs> like people to prove me wrong. I would uh, like people to agree with me. I would like people to get inspired. Uh, but what I, I kind of don't want to see is more framing studies on news media reporting in, in like the northern western parts of the world because we have an abundance of that already. <laughs> but um, no, but I, I, I do hope that the sender perspective is something that people will pick up on, like the, the importance of understanding who says what and not only focusing on the what or the how, but who and that, that that is actually a factor that that influence the the reception very much that is also so to speak if you were to frame the main output of your entire thesis is that the sender matters um, yes the sender matters exactly okay. what is in store for you in the future will you continue conducting research in this area or do you have something else planned this is a really, <laughs> this is a good question. I actually, I was asked the same thing at my defense <laughs> uh, by a very, very kind colleague of mine that thought that they, I needed a break from the, the tough questions. And this turned out to be the toughest question of all. No, but um, I guess time will tell, but uh, as of like in the very, um, the very, very close future, I will do a lot of teaching um, as I got a, an adjunct position at Karlstad University. Um, but I will also continue working with the data that we collected in relation to the third article. So there will be a bit uh, more uh, digging into to the proximity or and the geographical aspects and the construction of urgency. And I'm also I'm really interested in in how urgency is communicated and constructed to metaphors in the context of, of climate change. So. In my future, I see a lot of climate change related uh, communication research. Hopefully, eventually, sometime in the future, I would like to do a postdoc as well in this somewhere. God okay. knows where, though. <laughs> but that you so can you scratch. are continue. You are planning to continue in research. I, yes, I am planning to continue researching this because I think it's not only super fun and super interesting. I also think it it has great value uh, for society to to get this kind of knowledge and also specifically communicating these results to to the general public to make it more accessible and to make our line of work more approachable. That's interesting because it's so to speak meta research as well because I don't know if meta research is probably like I know you look at at climate actions in particular. Uh, but this question about the sender, um, mm. and does, this, does the sender matter? Um, mm. And the type of communication types to the centers, like this whole idea of looking at how things are communicated and, and what does it do. And so it's something that is probably increasingly important in a, in a world where like information is an abundance, but it's hard to decipher uh, exactly. the information. Yeah, and, and decipher and interpret the information. And because I mean, we're living in a very information rich 
uh, environment right now and it's not gonna get like lesser than it is I don't know I mean I I am old enough to remember when we only had like two three uh, TV channels in Sweden and so it's I mean it's been a massive information channel explosion uh, during during my lifetime and and that also I mean that creates issues of, of people being able to cherry pick the kind of information that they they want to to adhere to and they want to listen to and they want to follow and also share and like and 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 distribute themselves and also the opportunities like for instance like with podcasts everyone can grab a microphone and, and share their point of view so i think that what we need is scientists that are very aware of this like information world we're living in right now to to create some form of still uh, information that still has some form of source criticism in it uh, and communicating that we do have that and build that because if if we go back in time like a couple of decades if you said that oh i'm a scientist and people are like wow and they wanted to hear what you were saying now it's like okay bah humbug I think it's interesting. God, I wish I could talk to you for like hours and hours on this. Yeah, I think <laughs> I this is very interesting. I'm fairly sure we yeah. could talk. Thank you for your time, Sol. It's been super interesting. Um, but thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me and for a very, very interesting discussion.